Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Love Most, the Podcast with Dea, brought to you by Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. When I thought of my podcast as a concept, I saw no separation amongst us. I wanted to connect with people and help connect those people with you. Love Most, the Podcast with Dea is an inclusive platform where I get to speak with people from all walks of life, people that are doing incredible things to help impact their immediate communities or help impact the world around them in some way via book, a product, a service, and even a podcast. When you love most, you include, not exclude. Love is not just a feeling. Love is a decision. Love is a choice and love is an action. And in a world where there is so much bullying, public shaming and judging, I am inviting you today to, above all things, love most. Now, I have an incredible guest for you today, so let's get started. How are you helping change the world around you? Welcome to Love Most, the podcast with Dea, where you are invited to share your gifts and to, above all things, love most. Brought to you by Dea Music Ministry. For more information on how to be a guest, please visit www.deamusicministry.net. That's www.deamusicministry.net. Hi, how are you? Oh, let me unmute you. I'm so sorry. Okay, there you are. How are you? Hi, hi. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Everyone, please welcome Dr. Iman Tahiri. So I'm going to start by reading your bio because I think everyone wants to know a little bit more about what you do and who you are. You are an entrepreneur, a philanthropist. You graduated from Tehran University Medical Science as the youngest general surgeon in 2014. You have been practicing trauma surgeries worldwide with priority on the challenged regions, volunteering in war-torn and poverty-stricken areas. You consult with individuals and businesses on critical intersection of health, mental, emotional, and physical, and performance, helping them reduce turnover and increase innovation and output and create and helping them create a more cohesive sense of team. You promote an environment of unity, creativity, and increased profitability. As a chief strategist, you work with business leaders and executive teams to assess features in the workplace Reimagining, reimagining re, re the workplace to get ahead of competitors. Uh, you are a community influencer and expert on content development, marketing, marketing strategies, motivational graphic video creation for various social media platforms. Using your education, skills, and professional knowledge and life experience, you are focused on promoting confidence, leadership, positive outlook and a healthy mindset for the worldwide audience of 140 countries and counting. As an ethical and altruistic leader, you serve on the board of trustees of Read the Past, Write the Future, 
This nonprofit organization uh, promotes literacy in creative writing as a mechanism to record the dreams of students around the globe. Uh, last but not least, as a prolific uh, keynote speaker, you serve as a regular guest on various podcasts and events worldwide. You are an established writer and a poet, and you currently reside in Toronto, Canada. So thank you again for being here. You are amazing. So wow. let's start with that. <laughs> thank you so much. That was, uh, that was quite a bio. If you ask me, I am a poet, an observer who tried to make change. Absolutely. And it's wonderful. You're wonderful. And I'm so glad to have you here today. So I'm going to start with the questions. Okay. So first and foremost, uh, when did you know that you wanted to be a surgeon and who is Mr. Doctor? Uh, well, as a child, when I was about maybe five or six, I remember I was playing at my grandfather's house and they had this beautiful old photo on the wall, you know, the image of this mysterious well-dressed man who was standing by uh, Eiffel Tower. And when I asked about him, everyone so was so proud and everyone just, I remember my grandfather started to talk about him. Uh, he was his son, his, his, his grandfather. So, uh, it would be my great grandfather, okay. which they call it exactly Mr. Doctor back then. Uh, he was one of the first official doctors in the country and uh, so mysterious. And uh, I think that was the conditioning that started happening on my mind. And I couldn't see any other fulfilling task to do in my life than just being something like him. And I, I, that, and as I said, I'm not even sure if it was my choice or was this the conditioning that I just I decided to become a doctor that day. And uh, I technically didn't seriously think about anything else during mm -hmm. my childhood and my uh, when I was a teenager. And that was how everything started as a, as a doctor or surgeon. Yeah, that is wonderful. So from what I understand, you studied your studies at age 17 and graduated at the age of 27. You became a general surgeon and then a trauma surgeon and traveled. Well, we'll talk about that part when you became a trauma surgeon, but then you traveled to Dubai to work as a plastic surgeon and many things happens in happened in between. But I wanted to go back to the part of when you became a trauma surgeon, when you chose to work in the war-torn war -torn and poverty-stricken communities, you know, the challenged communities. What was that like for you? How did that affect your life? That was the, let's say, the life-changing experience for me. I, I always had this idea that I don't plan i just mm -hmm. invite events to, into my life mm -hmm. uh about anything i just don't push i just and i open my heart to receive whatever comes to me i remember right after i graduated it was uh you know after graduation you have to choose where you're going to serve for about maybe one or two years to give back to community in my country mm -hmm. after they call it like uh, pay for service that kind of like you can choose any city any places but when i logged into my portal on 
uh, on the website, the first thing popped up was that area. And I noticed that the hospital was built about maybe four or five years before, and they never had a surgeon because no one accepted to go there. Wow. And I, I just said, maybe give it a try or not. I, you know, I always love trauma and trauma surgery was one of my like biggest passion. And I knew that when I go there, that would be a quite experience. And I, I tried, I signed up, I I signed up for that place. And, uh, and you lived in the hospital, correct? From what I understand, you lived in the hospital? Yeah, back there. Yeah, when, when I get there, yeah. So when I when I signed up, like five minutes later, the uh, let's say the manager of the hospital called called me and said, uh, "I think there is something wrong, and you you applied for us." So yeah, I did. And he didn't believe that like someone like me, just you know, like from the capital city, I, I want to go there, and I just. Um, he arranged my my uh, transfer in maybe less than two days. I find myself in that area, southern Iran, and wow. middle of nowhere actually. And the only building back there was just a hospital. People lived in tents, which is part of the culture, like architecture, architectural mm -hmm. culture back there. And uh, yeah, I just jumped into the experience and I spent over two years in that area and that was I guess that was the most eye-opening eye-opener experience I've ever had and I can imagine I can imagine now for those who are watching who don't really know what trauma surgery is it sounds like it's anything that happens right you have to really address as they come whatever issues it may be whether it's childbirth or somebody cut, had an arm cut off you have to perform surgery on whatever the trauma is correct mm -hmm. yeah so technically these people have never seen a, had never seen a surgeon before and i did almost everything not just trauma surgery i wow. was i was there for all the well, let's say medical care uh provider but as a, that area is a drug war zone so uh you can imagine that there's a lot of shooting a lot of trauma a lot of uh events happening around so of course trauma surgery was one of the my like most significant parts okay so now when, when we read the bio it says that you are currently residing in toronto canada and mm -hmm. i wanted you to take us back to okay so you went after working in the air in the in the war war torn areas you Apparently you went to Dubai, correct? And you had the plastic surgeon phase. And then you had come to visit family in Canada and then the pandemic happened, right? So do you want to tell us what happened after the pandemic? I mean, how what 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 was it for you? What was it like for you? Well, we I think we need to this this part from trauma surgery on that that area to what's happened that you ended up in Dubai and how things I'm going to go back to that as a question, actually, mm -hmm. yeah, when so I, when I, I'm going to go back to that. So when I go back to the plastic surgery part of the question, I'll have you go back and rewind and, and make that transition for me. But or, or if you want to do it now, we can do you want to do you want me to switch back to that so we don't so skip it? I, I, I think that this, even though that was not. You know, that plan has never came to Mm -hmm. actual action but that mm -hmm. was a really important part of my journey because the, the reason that i left that area after two years so my service was done okay and they asked me to make a contract with them 
So from a volunteering, I need to be their uh, employee. And the culture of that, after two years, they start to questioning me and my approach towards, because after two years among those people, I really felt that, you know, the bound between us. I received some not so pleasant feedbacks about don't get engaged with your patients emotionally, which means don't hold their hand, you know, mm. and don't visit them regularly at their home, you know, their, their tents, and they just go, you know, they, they, you know, this is the, the real conventional medicine ethic uh, rules. So stay professional, stay in the office, and just do what you've been asked to. And this disappointment was, it was a huge disappointment. After two years, I didn't expect that. And I think, you know what, maybe I am valuing the poet side of me too much. And I just need to be like others. And that decision of me being, uh, getting back to the more, let's say, no offense to my colleagues, but more superficial uh, side of medicine and just, you know, giving up on my calling inside. Mm. That decision was, okay, so it was easy. I... Uh, thank God I was born in a filthy family and I was, I had access to, you know, I could do anything I want. Mm -hmm. And I just make some contact and they say, yeah, you are more than welcome to come to Dubai. I contact one of my friends who were doing plastic surgery there. I did all the exams, like in less than six months, everything was so ready to do, to, to go. And, uh, I start with, you know, I, I start cause you, you need to start at, under super, supervision. And I was one step before I have my own clinic and like my, my private practice even though you know when you're making a decision which is not close to your heart but you say well, you know what on paper everything is fine everything is okay everything you're just putting you're, you're overthinking that was the moment that and i think the, the so from now on everything happening for me is the universe come to play to just take me out of that lifestyle or that uh the future that I was imagining that uh, that's good for me. I had about two months for like a free time and my mm -hmm. sister lived in uh, Toronto back then. And I said, okay, so let's just have some family time. I am a Canadian resident and let's go there and spend some time with my family. Okay. I came to Toronto for first six weeks. Everything was just as I did. I planned to, I was a perfect tourist. And I just spent everything, I mean, you know, my time was just uh, with my family. Mm -hmm. And right there when pandemic was announced, uh, my, let's say, self-discovery journey has started. So we can talk mm -hmm. about them now. Okay. So, yeah, so we're going <laughs> to... That's great. It's quite, it, you know, I actually love that you talked about the aspect of the part of the of your career where you you felt this connection with people but you're told to pull back because and then you know you you think oh wow what a disappointment that is right because i i think that from what i know of you you there's an expression in english that says you wear your heart on your sleeve and that goes but when you're upset but it also goes when you're loving when you are engaging with people and you seem to be such a human connector from from what I know of you. I mean, I really think you're taking social media in the world by storm. I really do. Uh, you are a man on a mission with a heart of gold. I think your heart of, of immeasurable size, as we say in English, you know, 
And that is something that's such a gift, you know? So um, going to, um, now you are in Canada and the pandemic happens. Now you um, were staying with your sister, correct? But then the pandemic happened and everything was locked and you couldn't go back home or back to Dubai, I assume, right? You're supposed to go back to Dubai. So, so tell me what happened, you know, how did you, how did you navigate that time when you realized that you couldn't go back to where you were before? Well, uh, so, so we started with the idea of I was not 100% satisfied with the decision that I made, but I mm -hmm. saw everything is on, you know, on paper, everything is, is okay. Pandemic happened and I, uh, I usually use this, this sound effect when I talk about that. that everything stopped everything a long pause and nada i mean everything is just over and when you are in the middle of this storm you probably don't see everything you're just so engaged with the idea of life do 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 and why exactly you're doing this so at the beginning, again, I was there and I had this ego of the surgeon and I was, okay, I spent more time here. Everything going to be all right. It kind of like a denial. Yeah, everything will go back to normal soon. And why not? So let's stay in Canada as long as everything just settle and it's, it's better to be here. Back then, numbers in, in Middle East were so high and everywhere so, so close. I mean, so everywhere was just locked down. Okay, so let's, let's stay in Canada. Mm -hmm. And doing nothing during very first weeks of pandemic, it gave me, it's wake the, the poet side, mm. little by little. Okay. The more this ego was attacked with, so from everywhere, you know, like no one ever knew me here in the city. Mm. And it doesn't matter who you are back then. And I just, I felt so vulnerable. Yeah. I came here as a surgeon. I was with all these images on me. Thus, yeah, the doctor, it, it, like son of, it, you know, him and the dad and this and all the images and layers. And suddenly I was somewhere that no one ever knew me. No one noticed me. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If you have money, you're, you're, you're fine. If not, forget it. And it was kind of like, seriously, it was heartbreak, heartbreaking for me. Mm -hmm. And then I... You know, I, as they say, hit the rock button and I felt like, wow, what did you do with your life? That if I remembered the conversations and when I was so proud talking to, you know, people that I met during pandemic was not easy anyway, but mm -hmm. I'm a doctor. So where you practice, I'm not practicing now. So you're not a doctor. And that's, you know, the ego was so attacked. So what do you mean? I mean, I, and then, you know, you try to apply and then see how things work. And I, I take two the exams. You need to go through two different, like serious exams too. I said, mm -hmm. okay, let's do this. I was trying to gain back the ego. I did it two horrible exams. It takes like years. Oh, I did. I didn't in six months mm -hmm. just to get back the name that I lost. That was, you know, it was like I need it. It's like your identity, right? It was. It, it gives me the strength, the power, the but the more i spent with nothing but me and my heart and my you know the inner voice the more i feel i found it inside oh my god this is not what you actually want this is not what makes you happy and i i started whatever you see on social media about a year ago and I, literally i started with just 
trying or like you know just playing around to see how things work and then share more a little bit of me and with, with too much hesitation mm. a little bit more a little bit more and then I created the persona of this strong uh, I, I grow up doctor who come up and you know give some message and then disappear and then I felt now this is it could be even more real why not just let's let's be whatever you are whoever you are back then I remember I was not even able to write two English sentences properly wow. but I made that I made decisions and I'm I'm happy with them Absolutely. Well, you know, I think that you have um, a great sense of humor and a charm about you that is really engaging on social media. And I think that it's fair to say that your heart comes through in such a way that I think people, even though you, you had to figure this out, you know, you had the, the ego of, you know, everything that was attached to the title of the surgeon that started to die and then your heart was flourishing, but somehow the heart of the doctor that was in the war zone, I think is what your heart is because it sounds like it comes out that way for everybody who sees you on social media. You have a charm and sense of humor, but there is a feeling, there is authenticity with you. It's not like you're pretending to be someone else. It's actually who I think you are, which is really great. It's a great combination. Uh, I'm really glad you're doing that. Um, what is your favorite? So would you say that there is a favorite part of being a, a you know, a content creator. What is your favorite part of the work that you're doing now? Uh, there are, so as you know, as a, let's say, solopreneur who do every, who does everything by himself, there are some technical parts, which is not my thing at all. Mm -hmm. I learned, of course, from every single thing from scratch. I learned how to do lighting, video, sound, uh, even the language and the literature, how what we were going to say and how we're going to say it, even to know the con you know the country or the society who are my target audience. Because mm -hmm. if I was going to just share my poetries at the beginning, there was no one even would listen. What, what are you talking about, man? I mean, this is what language is that? Okay. Now I'm 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 happy and proud that yeah, I show up on screen and I read the Farsi poetry and. There are English speakers have no idea what I'm talking about, but they do. They give me feedback, and it's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I think the most, uh, like my favorite part is that you can show. First of all, it's it's my my journey. I'm not doing a favor to this world. Of course, if you can help, if you can help, just you know, one person to heal better, to see other horizons, to feel better. That is amazing. I'm done with my job, but. This is my journey. It's I'm learning and I want to make, first of all, to myself to show that you can think differently. Not everything that you, you know, this, this uh, boxes that they put in, you know, you put yourself and you limit yourself, which you can just live in a different way. And there are more that we don't know. And let's, let's try to, to discover. I love that. I love that concept. I, I agree with you 100%. I think that society puts us in boxes, you know, and it basically lies to us because individually we all have separate gifts. So what may work for one person may not work for you. And they, they try to trim you in a certain way. You know, you have to be this way and that way. And really life is about being open, right? About discovery, self-discovery. And you found out for yourself what self-discovery meant to you 
but it may not be something for somebody else who might have had the same career that you had. So you had to be something so individualized that it actually made your heart surface even bigger, which is amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple of uh, quick questions where you have to pick one or the other. And if you can't pick one or the other, you will tell me why. Uh, okay, when it comes to relationships, what's more important, love or trust? Love. Love, okay. Okay, uh, when it comes, what comes first, or maybe it's not first or last, but is it success or happiness? Happiness. Happiness, okay. I like your answers, I like your answers. Okay, I wanted to go back a little bit and talk about um, a plastic surgery. We're not gonna go all deep into it, but I did want your opinion concerning the aspect of vanity. When people do it because they just wanna look good, right? Because I mean, in a way, I believe that, you know, not everyone who's looking, even for a cosmetic procedure, is looking to change who they are. You know, as you know, as a doctor, some people have ears like this and you you clip their ear back and their world changes. You know, they're not bullied anymore. So it's a cosmetic procedure, but it was something that impacted the way they felt about themselves because other people would make fun of them. Some people do plastic surgery just to kind of go back to what they used to be. And some people can overdo it. As you know, a lot of people can overdo it. What are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about plastic surgery? Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, when I look back and I, as I said, I'm so happy that this was not my path. Again, no offense. Uh, but I think plastic surgery is a painkiller for the social traumas that we receive every day. Very well put. It is, a, you can, can you criticize painkillers? I don't think so. But if we make a better work, you don't need painkillers. If you can control and you can prevent the pain from the beginning and why someone must be bullied because of the shape of the ear, the ear you know. Right. Uh, it's not something I, I it, that would be so optimistic to say we can change it today and let's do this. So plastic surgery will be needed for a while, but even one step is mm -hmm. maybe I can, I can do that part is enough. And to make sure that no one is going to be judged because of the shape of their body. And uh, maybe next step would be that no one ever see themselves as the phys physical form that they have. And, uh, I hope that one day we all learn that our body is the container for the soul and that's it. Beautiful. Yeah, you know, that's poetry right there. The body is a container for the soul. I think that we're all bombarded with media, you know, what's out there, celebrities, and we people compare themselves physically. It's it's difficult. I can tell you from a standpoint of a woman that is, you know, even young children now are starting to look at themselves and compare themselves with what's out there. So it's almost like the world just needs a total makeover, you know, when it comes to life concepts and how we see ourselves. The body is a container for the soul. I really love that. I think you're very poetic. It's beautiful. Um, I want to ask you about, so go back to when you were fresh out of college, right? You're about to start your career. What would you say to that man, that young man of 27 years of age? I think that's when you finished your, your doctorate uh, studies. Go back to that day and what would you tell yourself that you wish you knew then that you know now? 
Take it easy and uh, don't be too proud. Don't let your ego take over and be humble. There are things that you don't know. Wow, that's great. Okay. Um, generally speaking, you know, surgeons are addressing issues, fixing people physically, right, with their health or if they have an accident, if you will. But your commitment to health and wellness is something that is front and center. I know that you work with you have a strong element of prevention in the way you talk about health and wellness. You believe in prevention, meaning having a good life, living living in a healthy way, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. Talk a little bit about your journey with your business, with Juice Plus, because I think a lot of people would love to learn a little more about that. And also, how are you think you're impacting people, your audience, inspiring them to taking better care of themselves? Uh, well, so... As we know that health has many different aspects, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health. Okay. Uh, doctors, as I know, they are more focused on physical health. Recently, maybe over the last 20, 30, 40 years, mental health is something that's been addressed and known as, recognized as part of medicine. Emotional and spiritual health, of course, is still is missing mm -hmm. and i believe as when you talk about holistic medicine and we talk about the the holistic approach the whole if you want to see this of course physical health matters as well okay and the basic is what you eat i mean the first connection from you and the the environment is what you eat i was in the middle of my journey and i i looked everywhere and one of my, let's say my, that's funny, the, the thing that I started with, mm -hmm. with this passion to, I mean, not necessarily the urge, to, the need to become a doctor again, to get back my ego, at some point turned to be my biggest fear. Oh my God, I do anything not to go back there. Okay. After I'd, I'd done my, my exams and everything was ready and I didn't just apply to be, uh, start practicing anywhere. In Canada, I, I was so scared. I don't want it anymore. Hmm. And that time I was introduced with Juice Plus, which is a natural product. It's not a magic pill. It's all natural, organic, plant-based food in capsules. And I was like, yeah, so that would be because I think I believe when you deal, when you work around healing and anyone's health, as I said, like all aspects, it's really hard to be an entrepreneur and make money out of it mm -hmm. as a surgeon and like, you know, like two years of volunteering and all aspects of life. If you see health and well-being of others is not, it cannot be a business. It's really hard to make the balance. So I decided that my content and my, cause I believe that I'm helping. I hope that I'm helping maybe some people with their the healing process of healing. You are. <laughs> Again, it's not that I'm not healing them. I'm helping them to heal. This is what they're doing themselves. Yes. But so I, my content or my actions was free, but I definitely needed to have business as well. Right. But that was when I was introduced with this product. So that was perfect timing, divine timing as I recently been experiencing it. And 
I jumped into it. I started looking to the science, the knowledge, and the like, uh, research and experience. And I said, everything was too good to be true for me. And I started taking them myself after about maybe six weeks. I was all in and I just doing this, I think, forever. Because it's the simplest change for anyone to make a better life for themselves. Absolutely. And I think that they use this this phrase bridge in the gap, right? It's like that bridge between health and wellness, because there is a difference, right? You can live healthy and not be well in a way, right? I think when you start to look for alternatives that are more organic and holistic, there is something that happens within our bodies and our minds. You know, you feel powerful that you're making the decision. I mean, some people, oh, I'm healthy. I go to the doctor every year. Well, that's you could be healthy, but what about wellness? And I think that what you're doing is bridging all of that, you know, into one. And, and it's, it's amazing. And I really think that you are impacting your audience to, to try to look at themselves and say, what am I doing to be healthy? I mean, if you're talking about it, let me listen and let me take part. How can I take part? So amazing. Um, so I know that if people want to learn more about your Juice Plus, they can go on your, um, I'm going to put your um uh, social media at Dr. Iman and also your website, but on your on your Instagram page, they go on your link tree and there are all the links of the things that you do. So I hope if you are watching that you go check him out. It's it's really amazing what you're doing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about charity, right? Because I grew up around charity and to me, charity became a way of living. My mother was someone who cared about people very much. She was a dentist and a pediatric, pediatric dentist and she worked with children and which she worked with in poverty stricken communities as well. So charity was a part of my life and I believe it's a way of living. You know, you, you give because you've already been given, right? You don't give to get something back. You just been given and you share your gifts with others. I know that that's something that is close to your heart and you have done uh, many things to help young people and, and just people in general is there. And, and I know that most recently you work on a, um, 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 what do you say, a fundraiser helping a little girl by the name of Ikra. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? I know you wanted to share about it. Well, charity is, I, th I think we can, we can have a whole topic about charity, how we proceed, how, how we think about it. The re most recent one, as you mentioned, was this little girl from Turkey, Ikra, that I was introduced to her by I think a random event, maybe there is no randomness, but anyway, so I receive a message from uh, someone who was working with them that this is the condition. I knew that her condition is one of the like about 6,000 children around the world. And that was really, I mean, it was not the first time that I've seen this, this uh, condition, which it's really heartbreaking how everything can be uh, about money these days. You know, the medication is there, but the company doesn't provide it until you pay $2 million to save one child's life, which doesn't, doesn't fit anywhere in my mind. But I was, you know, I back then, first case when I someone sent me a message about first SMA child was maybe eight months ago. And I was not ready to do anything. I was so sad that I couldn't do it. And I reached out to a couple of friends. They, 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 you know, they turned me down. And I was just so, you know, like feel unable. Mm -hmm. But when this case came up and I, 
I jumped in and I started to talk to my community about the condition, about her, her, her situation. And everyone just started to do, I mean, my part, the biggest thing was just to open the door for anyone who wants to help. Uh, the men message is, I think, more important than the money because uh, in that case, my community raised about one or two, less than 2% of, you know, the, the whole money that she needed. But the message was, you know, spreading and hopefully one day we, uh, we see that there's no child just because, you know, of course, disease is inevitable. Right. I can talk about death as well which is inevitable you cannot say this is not fair or this is fair but when there is a medication when there is a cure and it's not provided just because of money that is that is it's horrific it is not a world that i want to live in so i hope that one day we can make these things even better or smoother uh but yeah so charity in itself it's not just about money giving is you can give with your smile with your listening is charity your time is most valuable asset you can give to anyone. And of course, forgiving is the most uh, precious thing you can give to anyone and yourself. That is, that is a beautiful answer. You know, I love how poetic you sound and everything that you say. I wanted to have an opportunity to, I'm going to ask you three questions about your poetry. And then of course, I want you to grace us with one of your poems of your choice. Uh, the first question that I have, because poetry is one of the things that you do and you do very well, I must say, uh, when did you start writing poems? Was it, I know you mentioned earlier that once you came to and you were in Toronto and the pandemic happened is when you felt that, you know, desire to write. But is that when it's actually started or had you written a poem before that? Oh, no. I mean, poetry is probably the first discovery in my self-knowledge, self-knowing journey. I was about, let's say, maybe 10, 12 years old. And I okay. I was in school, and in school we have poetry in our books, and one of the books, I remember it was from Rumi. And I, my teacher was teaching the poem, and you know, they read and you write down, and you know, pretty much like an old school stuff. Okay. And I read the first line, and I started to write the, the, the rest by myself. Not, I mean, I changed the po Rumi's poem, <laughs> that's crazy at age 12. Well, and, uh, a start. it's a start. Yeah, I use the first line and I write the rest for my um, in my version. Okay. And when I, I, I remember my, my mom found it and said, what is this? And they start reading and they're so, everyone was so fascinated. Like, how did you do that? And they, it, this is, this is maybe a cultural thing. They don't believe you. So well, how, where did you find it? So, how did you find it? I was like, this is not, this is not, it's not possible that you do. Oh, wow. And then the next one came and the next one came and I started writing. And since it, poetry is probably the, the oldest thing that I'm doing, I mean, the oldest thing I'm do, uh, over maybe now more than 25 years. Wow. And every time I write something, it's, you know, some, it's, I surprise myself. Like, how did you do this? I mean, where did it come from? And, uh, but of course, English poetry is a whole different story. When I have my book published in Iran and my, my language poetry, is, uh, my, my book is being republished. But uh, as someone who was not familiar with this language and how mm -hmm. I try, I'm still trying to put things together to 
have you know to to have the whole idea of what I'm gonna say, what I'm gonna deliver. Okay. I hope that I'm I'm being successful. I think you will be. There is a will, there is a way, right? So that the second question I had was if there was, and you mentioned the book, Rumi, but is there any particular other poet or any event or something that inspired you to write poetry? I know you mentioned Rumi, but is there any other influence in the way you write poetry, even in your own language? There are, I mean, I uh, there are a couple of uh, magnificent poet, poets in my my like many, many in my language, in my, in Farsi, but my, my uh, favorites, of course, Hafiz is one of my most, uh, let's say my, my favorites. And uh, there is uh, another poet called Hushang Ebtahaj, which is a magic, it's, it's just it's a magician of this language, how she, he does everything around towards it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's mesmerizing. That's amazing. Okay, so now the time has come where I ask you to share uh, one of your poem, uh, poems of your choice, and we're all ready to listen to you. Wow. All right, thank you. Let me see. I knew that you're going to ask me for that. I'm, I'm ready for... This is the most recent poem that I translated. I usually don't translate my poems you know, word by word. I rewrite them in English, and I, okay. I'm kind of like obsessed with the... the how it flows you know i just try to keep the rhythm flowing i hope that i'm let's see how it goes okay we're ready <clears throat> you took my love as is i wish and end the pain and tears i wish you let me in you held me tight you kept me warm on rainy nights Darling, our tale has been pending. I wish your lips were my ending. My word has been missing your light. I wish you let me back tonight. One day, for the sake of your eyes, pick me, I wish, to sacrifice. Wow. <laughs> Bravo, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's amazing. Um, I have to say, I have heard a couple of your poems, and when I listen to you in your language, which is Farsi, right? Farsi. Yeah. The the language itself is fascinating. The the inflection, the way you speak the words, it's so beautiful. So I was equally enchanted listening uh, to in in Farsi as well as in in, uh, in English. I mean, it, it, I've, I had the opportunity to hear you on social media. So I think, continue, of course, continue to write. I'm sure that I hope your book is going to be translated into English, that we can you know, have access to that as well. Um, I wanted to ask you one more question. And so what is next for you? What would you like to share with us um, you know, that is happening either in the near future or in the faraway future or whenever it happens? What is next for you? Well, I... I posted something on my platform, maybe more than the first version was about six months ago. Okay. Then I asked my, my people a question that tomorrow morning you wake up, you can do anything you want for the rest of your life. What would you do? And then I give them a couple of seconds to think. And I said, wake up rest of your life. And I try to answer the same question for myself. 
and my answer back then was uh, I want to travel the world, mm-hmm. not to see buildings, not to go places like luxury places that everyone has like, okay, let's travel the world. I want to go there to find secrets of well-being, secrets of happiness. There are things that I don't know. As a surgeon, I knew that there are things that I don't know. I reached to the level to know that I don't know nothing. But I knew there are ancient approaches, practices about wellness, well-being, and happiness thousands of years. And what if I could go places and learn from them and now been blessed that I have the audience, how I can okay, now present them, see what I found wow. with the open heart and open mind and no uh, prejudice about what, what you learned before. And uh, I put it out there, and, you know, that was a vision. Mm-hmm. I, maybe you want to call it like law of attraction, you want to call it manifestation, energy, but things happen when you're ready. And you, I, I, I believe in divine timing. Absolutely. Recently, I, uh, I'm so proud to be part of this network, townhouse network. And this is exactly they asked me to do, to go places around the world, to mm-hmm. find secrets of happiness, well-being, ancient practices with no judgment, with open heart, just to spend time with indigenous people with like just go places to meet extraordinary people places and learn and then uh bring it back to the to my audience and that would be my next next step it sounds like a dream (laughs) it's a really great dream i i'm looking forward to to seeing all that you're going to do in the future I can tell you that by the way that you engage with your audience, you know, you are a man on a mission for sure. I think your mission, of course, go far beyond, goes goes far beyond what you had as a career, but I think it was also a step in it. I think that even I see social media as something that none of it was accidental, of course. Everything that you've learned as a surgeon, your transition into the world that was not privileged world, right? When you're working with the poverty stricken communities, the way your heart surfaced, the way they denied that to you and brought you back to the ego, now out of the ego into this, it is the perfect storm. You know, this is what they call the perfect storm. Everything that didn't work led you to this new vision and this new dream that you get to live and and then you get to share with the audience. It's, It's absolutely perfect. I am so happy that you are here with me today in this interview. I have to say thank you how privileged I feel to have had the honor to know you a little more and to share with my audience how amazing you are. So I want to say thank you to you. And I think that knowing all about you, people have a reason to smile more, right? Because that's something that you believe. Um, You know, before you go, one quick thing that I wanted you to, to talk about, because I heard you say this yesterday or the day before, in one of your live uh, uh, on on social media, and I actually wrote it down on on my. Um, let me take this little banner out and put it here as a still. It's a formula that you created, and I want you to share with the audience because I think it's fantastic. Um, I couldn't put the greater than and equal signs together like you have it on yours, so I had to put happiness equals or it's greater than perception of an event in life minus the expectations of how life should behave. Give us a little bit of a, 
a comment about that equation that you created. Well, thank you so much. This is not my equation. I so I always, I mean, that is, uh, it, I believe in it. That so mm -hmm. I had posts before that if you so the equation that you share, right? Yeah, you equation. will be happy. But okay. I borrow this equation from the book Soul for Happy by Mogodat, which okay. now one of the my this now is my holy book. I've read it like over ten times. I'm still reading it every day. And uh, because the way that he thinks is so close to my experiences and my the way that I think, but okay. he is he's a genius in how he express himself and how he articulate his thoughts. And of course, as a uh, my my English and baby stepped English, so of course I uh, I really love to read his books over and over. Mm -hmm. This equation, as you see, is your happiness is equal to or greater than your perception of an event minus your expectation. And the fact is that we, the event is, is always the same. How we think about the event will change this, the first parameter. And then the next thing that we can control, that is exactly what we can control, which is our attitude and our actions. So if you change your attitude and, you know, you lower your expectation, regardless of what is the, actual event and what is your perception which you can work on your perception to be happier it will cause for to a happier life and i believe this is the ultimate goal of every single of us it's not success it's happiness but we are layering so much and we are burying ourselves down deep of so many layers that we lose this happiness and that is as simple as it is just follow this path and you will find it absolutely it's it's great i agree with you 100 percent. i noticed that now when you shared it i immediately thought i think a lot of people are so worried about doing and having and they forget to be they forget mm -hmm. how to be and in fact i think in one when you shared about this in the past i saw a person comment about well but if you have success you can be happy and you said no it's the other way around you have to be happy in order to achieve success. And that is quite profound because most people don't look at life that way. They think they have to have this, do this, do that, and then they'll be happy. Then they can become the person, but it's it's really not. It's really the other way around. You, you have to be in order to have. And happiness really, I mean, when you talk about perception of events in life, it's the factual stuff, right? Things happen, but there is the story of the things. So we start to say, well, I think it's because our feelings get in it. We get all entangled in our expectations, but you know, this is something that I found out recently for myself. Expectations yeah, it's, it's, it's always have really, to be lower, right? Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating how you think about the event is really important to right. uh, it's it's a it's a mind work, it's a it's a practice, everyday, everyday practice. But every day, every day. And if you don't lower your expectations, and I always say this about people, for example, we expect people to change and do the things our way, but I'm like it's so hard to change yourself. Absolutely. How do you think that you can change somebody else? You really can't. It's a scam, you know? So um, I really love what you said here. Thank you again so much for doing this and, and being here with us today. I'm going to say just a final goodbye, but I'm going to put you in the waiting room in a little bit. Wait for me there so that we can say the proper goodbye and I can say thank you again. So everyone, please thank you uh, so much for joining this broadcast today of Love Most, the podcast with Dea, which was season two, episode five, brought to you by Live Mon Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much again. Have a great day.